PJ, if you can believe it, it's already episode 35 of the Glass of Joe podcast. Joe Malpa here alongside PJ Glasser, as always. And I don't know, so for me, there's something special always about any episode that ends on a five or zero. I don't know. I feel like those are the, those are the big numbers like for like anniversaries, yeah, birthdays, right. Super Bowl. So we got a big one today, and we're going to start it off with a guest right away instead of the usual segment in the middle. We'll go right into our guest, Jermaine Carter Jr. of the Carolina Panthers. Pleased to be joined this week by Jermaine Carter Jr., linebacker for the Carolina Panthers and a University of Maryland alum. You know, I had to break out the sweatshirt today. Jermaine, it's been a couple of years since we were in the building together. How is everything going? Uh, everything's going well. You know, just I just finished up my third year in NFL. So, you know, so uh, I guess it's been a fun, fun journey so far. I'm looking forward to creating more memories, but uh, I definitely do miss College Park. <laughs> of, course, of course, I feel that every day, too. Um, now, plenty of College Park talk down the, down the line here in a few minutes. But uh, first, this was an NFL season unlike any other. And hopefully there's never another one like this with COVID and everything going on. Um, what will you remember right. most about it looking back on this year? Man, I'm going to remember. I got tested every day from uh, July 23rd until December 4th. So I got mm-hmm. tested COVID tested every day, and now that's something I'll never forget. <laughs> wow. Every single day. I, I, that's, way, that's way more swabs up your nose than you probably ever want to have again in your life. I was going to say, he probably feels good. He doesn't have anything up his nose these days now. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, you just get Oh, we did it every day. So after a while, I was just like, okay, this is this is the new normal. <laughs> right. Uh, Jermaine, going off that crazy season, now the media made a lot about how there were no OTAs, no preseason. Sometimes you guys only could practice one or two days leading up to your games. So how big of an adjustment was all that stuff for you guys? I think it was a, a big adjustment. You know, a lot of guys – a lot of guys probably prefer no OTAs or things like that preseason because, you know, they lead to injuries, obviously, but uh, and we don't get really – we don't really get paid in the preseason. So, you know, a lot of guys just want to uh, get to the regular season, get to the regular season healthy and make their money, you know. But uh, for a lot of guys, if this was my rookie year, I, I don't know if I would have made the team, you know what I'm saying, because I didn't have a preseason, you know. So I think that was the biggest thing. A lot of guys missed out on an opportunity just because they didn't have the, the chance to show coaches what they were able to do. Right. And uh, you talk about your coaches. Joe and I, we're big fans of Matt Rule. We think he's a really, really good coach. As somebody who plays for him, what were your impressions of your uh, of your coach in year one? Oh, uh, man, I think Coach Rule, he's he's a coach. He's going to demand a lot from his guys. Uh, but he means well, you know, um, he, he's he, he's a guy who's a builder. Obviously, in his past, he built a program at Temple. You know, and then he went to Bell and was able to build a program there at Bell, you know, you know, so and I think that's what uh, once he lays his foundation, you know, I think we're going to head in the same direction that those two programs were headed in, you know, so we just got to uh, continue to work and get better every day. Of course. And look, we can't believe the Super Bowl is here next week, the season over it. We made it. Um, when you look back on the season, did it did it fly by? Or did it kind of seem to drag on? Like, that's something I always wonder for NFL players. Like, does it feel like a drag? Or as a fan, I feel like it was just Flew week one by. yesterday. Yeah, and, it, and, and I want to watch more football. <laughs> but I always wonder, as a player, does it feel like it drags on or flies by? I definitely, I think without the preseason, without OTAs, it made everything just fly by, you yeah. know. Because so used to uh, being around your teammates and your coaches for, for, for longer periods of time, you know. So we had camp and all those things, you know, but – we didn't have OTAs, you know, OTAs, you, you spend 
at least a, at least a month, you know, with your with your coaches and guys just getting to know them, and and that's that that time is important, you know, for Coach Rule being a first year coach. I think I think uh, not having OTAs that really hurt us a lot, you know. So, but I think I think it, it, it helped us as a blessing in disguise, you know, because we we know what to look for look for next year, you know. So we we we're not we're not guessing anymore because we already know how to, how the system works without OTAs, you know, and things like that without preseason, you know, so, you know, we, we fig- I think we're figuring it all out. Yeah. And I think you guys got the right guy in charge. Like you make it seem to be, I, I was hoping the Jets hired him. I'm a Jets fan. I was hoping the Jets hired him a couple of years ago. I'm happy with Robert Sala now, but like, I was hoping we hired a rule and just seeing this week at the senior bowl, because your, your coaching staff is down there at the senior bowl, like all the videos of him, like pulling guys aside and working on them individually has yeah. that happened with for you with him? Has there been anything where he's personally worked on uh, worked with you and taken you out to to show you a couple things? Well, I will say um, when I first when he first got there, I, I didn't he didn't take too much liking to me. So you know, I didn't have he didn't do that to me. You know, so I was one of the guys. You know, I had to fight for my roster spot basically. You know, and I ended up fighting for my roster spot, and I ended up starting. You know, because I was able to just. I, I just stay humble and just stay focused, just ready for for my opportunity, you know. So, but no, I never had a situation where he pulled me to the side personally and just worked with me one on one, you know. So that's something that uh, I've seen him do with a couple guys, though, you know. So I will say that. Gotcha. Well, maybe he didn't take a liking you at the beginning, but I know as the season went along, I kept seeing articles that I always try to keep up. Obviously, anybody who was at Maryland when I was there, I kept seeing right. articles like every other week, like where he was just praising you and, and he was like, you yeah, said, yeah. just starting. So, so it all worked out in the end. Um, yeah. Now a team you played twice this year was the bucks. A team you played once this year was the chiefs. They're playing in a big game this coming week. Um, uh, thinking back to, to <laughs> w- your games against them and what it was like prepping for both of those teams. Um, do you have a pick for the Super Bowl? Uh, man, you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to bet against Brady, but. I think the Chiefs got a lot of weapons, man. Tyreek Hill, you know, watching him on TV, you like, man, he's fast. But when you actually get on the field and play against him, it's a whole nother – it's a different level of speed like you've never seen before, you know. And, but. and that was going to be my follow-up, too. As a player on the defensive side of the ball like yourself, you got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, all these guys on the Bucks. You got all the weapons, obviously, on the Chiefs. Which team kind of kept you up at night during the week more because of that offense? I think uh, for me, I think the Bucks because you know um, Tom Brady, he's a little bit more cerebral. You know, he's a little bit he's. I don't want to say Mahomes is in a smart football player because obviously he is, but he's not. He's not on Tom Brady's level where like uh, making checks and you know seeing understanding the defenses. You know, Patrick Mahomes. When we studied him throughout the week, we noticed that he was more so like. He was a better quarterback when the play broke down. You know, he was, he was good at making things happen when nothing was there. Whereas guys like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you know, those guys are guys who who know defenses like the back of their hand. You know, so I think those are two different the the, the different elements that those guys bring. But I think I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs on this one because they got they got a lot of weapons on offense. All right. Jermaine, along with those teams, you also played Green Bay and their offense. You played Breeze, the Saints twice and their offense. I mean, when you look at all the quarterbacks you played, you talk Brady and Mahomes, Rodgers and Breeze. What was it like getting to face those guys that you grew up watching and getting the chance to look across the line of scrimmage and, and try and stop them on dig? Man, it was crazy, you know, because uh, when the Saints went to the Super Bowl 2006, I believe, mm-hmm. and I was I was only 11 years old. And Drew Brees, 
Drew Brees is still playing, you know, so it's crazy, you know. I just tell my my uh my my, my old teammates, my, my my friends and family all the time, you know. So I grew up watching football, you know. So just to be able to uh play against these guys, it's a blessing, you know. I just I never take it for granted, you know, but if I had to choose, man, I honestly I got a story for for you for uh, Tom Brady, man. We playing in the pre- we played him in the preseason last year. And uh, he was with the Patriots. So it was one play. Like I said, Tom Brady, he knows defense is like the back of his hand. I called out their offensive play. I was like, it's, it's such and such. I said, it's counter pass, counter pass. <laughs> it basically, it's like they fake the, the power and run a tight end down, down the shoot, down the scene. And I knew it was coming. I covered it well. But Tom Brady, he threw the ball with only the tight end. <laughs> it, was the, it was the best ball ever, you know, and that's – and I think I was that's when I realized, like, man, like the NFL is different, you know, because college, a lot of college quarterbacks can't make that the throw that he made against right. me. But when he made that throw. I was like, yeah, I see why they call him the GOAT. <laughs> who was who was the skill position player that you watched on tape this season that really blew you away? Because you played Devontae Adams. You got Kamara twice. Um, Mike Evans. You talked about Hill. Chiefs also have Kelsey. Who's the guy that you watched on tape? And you're like, damn, this dude's a problem. Oh man, it's so many, you know, because everybody in the NFL is good. It's you guys so had many, a tough schedule this year. Really <laughs> tough schedule. Really yeah, tough. Yeah. Uh man. I would say Devontae Adams. Cause like watching film, it's like nobody could ever guard him. Nobody. Like he was always open no matter what the play was, no matter what the coverage was. And I was just sitting there watching, like, wow, this guy, like, I see why why everybody talks about him the way they do. But um, we actually we actually played pretty well against the pass, against the Packers. You know, we shut Aaron Rodgers down. I think he ended up with about 100-some yards. I think that was one of his worst games of the season, actually, uh, passing the ball, you know. But they were able to run the ball up and down on us that game. I think they, they ran for about 200 yards or something that game. Aaron Jones had a pretty good game, you know, so we weren't able to stop the run. But, but yeah, I think – Devontae Adams is probably one of the, the guy I watched film uh, leading up to the game. I'm like, wow, this guy's good. Were you surprised that the Bucs made it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC? The Packers had such a great year. The Saints had beaten them twice heading into their playoff matchup. I mean, I know they have Brady, but playing them, did you feel like that they had what it took to get to the Super Bowl? I did. Obviously, they had all the pieces, you know, and they got a great defense they got two good pass rushers on the edge Mm -hmm. they got two great inside linebackers who can run and hit and cover and they got cornerbacks who are willing to be aggressive and take chances on the ball you know so I think their defense is just it just put them over the top but for me I didn't I I thought the Packers would be able to pull it off because I thought they were just a good when I watched because before the last playoff game I watched the uh the regular season game between the Packers and the and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm a football nerd, so I just sure. like to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to see, like, I wanted to understand, like, why the Packers lost the game. But they had got down early because Aaron Rodgers threw uh, two early interceptions, I think, in the first half, and the Bucks almost returned them for touchdowns. You know, so that got them out the game. And I felt like if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers could have eliminated the turnovers, but I think he ended up with one with, with one interception. And they could run the ball. They had a chance to win, and they ha- they had a chance to win the game. But they the turnover. If they didn't ha- if he didn't turn the ball over, they probably wouldn't win the game. You know, I think that's that's the difference between like the regular people watching the football game, and then once you get in the NFL, you start to understand like how these coaches think, how they break down like situations, and you know, 
for us, you know, he always talks about don't beat yourself, don't beat yourself, don't don't turn the ball over, don't just make stupid penalties, you know. And so I, I kind of went with that on my playoff take. So I went with uh, Green Bay, but obviously they turned the ball over, so it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. And just a quick note on that. Um, obviously, a whole big deal was made about Lafleur kicking the field goal when he did instead of trusting Rodgers and going for the touchdown. As a player on the sideline, in those moments, like obviously you guys are meeting with your position coaches, uh, you're getting ready for the next drive. Do, does it have time to ever register, like when a coach is making a big decision like that? Uh, like Man. what you think they should do? Like, do you, is that something that ever comes up on the sideline among the players? We have, uh, with, with the Panthers, Coach Rule and his staff, they have a saying called, what's next? You know, so no matter what happens, you know, against the Saints, I dropped the interception. And I was like, I was like, oh, man, I was like upsetting myself, man. Coach Rule, anytime anything like that happens, he always says, what's next? We can't control what happened before. We just got to move on. So if that situation was to happen to us, I feel like uh, Coach Rule would probably be like, uh, oh, we kicked the field goal. So defense, go get the ball back. And I think, I think Coach LaFleur was probably thinking like, man, I'm going to, if we get the ball back and win, I'm going to be a genius. I'm going to be seen as a genius, you know, because he kicked the field goal, probably thinking his defense could get the ball back. But in that situation, I'm going for the touchdown all the, all the way. <laughs> of course. Now, Jermaine, before – I know Joe wants to ask you a Maryland football question. I got you. Guys both, <laughs> both rocking the turf sweatshirts. <laughs> I just want to ask you one more question about the Panthers. Uh, okay. Luke Keekley, you obviously got to be under his mentorship a little bit. He retired. I just want to know what you learned from him. And then being able to face Christian McCaffrey every day in practice, how has that made you a better player at a line, as a linebacker? Well, I'll start with the Christian. Uh, it definitely it makes the game a lot easier, you know, because the NFL is now it's a passing game. You know, they're trying to well in the playoffs is always going to be uh, in the, when it get cold and late in the season. It's always going to be a running game, you know. Mm-hmm. But throughout the season, it's a passing league, and we all know that, you know. So now nowadays you got running backs who run routes like receivers, you know. So when you get to practice against Christian every day, every single day, it just makes um, and be able to pick his brain. It makes the game a lot easier, you know, because He's obviously one of the best running backs in the league, you know. So, and as far as Luke, um, man, being under Luke, I learned so much, you know, it's just just how to study different situations in the game, how to break down film the proper way. You know, when I was at Maryland, I would watch film, but I, like, I would just watch, like, the whole game, if that makes sense. I wouldn't break it down by situation. Luke, right. he breaks, like, every single thing down. He probably – he he knows plays from – Eight years ago, like his rookie, <laughs> he, he like he really can remember like a play a play vividly from eight years ago, and like and it's just crazy, you know. But that just talks about the uh, the, the the work he puts in outside of the facility, you know, the film he watches, you know. And I think he does a good job. He does a lot of film watching, you know, and just he's just a good dude all around. You know, when I first got drafted, he was the first person to, to text me. And growing up. I, I I played linebacker my whole life, you know, so I I watched linebackers. I watched a film of Luke in college, you know, so so for him to be the first person to text me, man, it was one of those days, like, I was excited. That's another thing that I'll never forget, you know, so it was just cool, cool beings. One more quick Panthers question that pertains specifically to you before we get to those couple Maryland questions that PJ said I wanted to ask. Um, thinking back, all right, your fifth-round pick, you're, you're, you're fighting for your spot. Rule comes in, like you said, you're fighting for your spot again. And now, like I always mentioned before, throughout the season, it's like, oh, they found something in Jermaine Carter. Oh, they found something. I saw an article yesterday. They're down at the Senior Bowl, 
And in the article, it said linebacker is no longer a position to worry, at, worry about because of Jermaine Carter. Thinking back to where you started and where you are now, uh, do you ever take time to reflect on that, like how far you've come while also obviously still keeping an eye on the future? I don't really take time to look back because, man, I'm, I'm looking ahead, man. I want to be – I want to – What's next? Exactly. Yeah, what's, what's next? next? <laughs> I want to be starter for good. You know, I want to be the starter next season. You know, I'm not going to get complacent because I don't know. Like, nothing's ever guaranteed, especially in this NFL, in the league. You know, I tell guys all the time, you know, I see guys come and go every day. Like, uh, last year, uh, my second year in the, in the league, Braxton Miller got signed for one day. He was gone the next day. You know, that's just how it goes, you know. So I never really think about it. But sometimes, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I do. I think about how far I came because me and my girlfriend, we talk about it all the time, you know, because it was early in the season. Like, I was, like, I would say I was probably depressed. I was upset. Like, like man, like, is it is this is this really worth it? Like, is am I, everything I'm putting myself through, is it really worth it? You know, because, like, it was really tough. Like, because I, I went to this season, like, I didn't think, he was going to give me the starting spot, but like I, I expected to be able to compete for the starting spot, you know, to be able to be given a chance. And that never happened, you know? So man, it was just, I had some rough times, but like, I try to stay positive as much as I can. And, you know, I think once I changed my mindset to stay positive and just go to practice the right way every day and just practice hard. I think the coaches saw that and, it led to me being able to be the starter. I guess, like like you said, with rules, mindset, what's next? That's all. Yeah. That's how you got to look at it. But we will look back for a second right now because I got some college questions for you. Um, gotcha. Mike Loxley, he recruited you when he was obviously at Maryland first in a different role. Left, yep. came back, now as the head coach. I keep – my draw hits the floor every time I see the recruits that we keep getting now because I didn't think that was possible, and here it is. What is it about Coach Locks that makes him so special? Man, he's just the real dude. Like, like <laughs> Coach Locks, like he comes from the struggle, you know. So he understands. Like, he's from Washington D.C. You know, he's he he's he didn't come from the best neighborhood, you know. So, and I'm from I'm from the area, so I know like a lot of guys they look up to him. They look up to the opportunity to get the offer from him, you know, because they know he's changed guys' lives. Everybody in the area know what Coach Locks has done for a lot of guys in the inner city, you know. So. Like I said, they know he came from the struggle, you know, so they know everything that he's talking about. It's not like he's not making it up, you know, so I think guys just appreciate somebody that's genuine. And do you, do you find it that people are surprised by how many Maryland guys are actually in the league right now? I feel like that's something that's come up where I'll be talking to people and it's like, oh, yeah, J.C. Jackson's doing this. Darnell's doing this. Jermaine, DJ and so on and so right, on. Right. Do you ever find that, that people are surprised? A lot of guys are surprised, you know, uh, because we was – we, our records were so bad, you know, so everybody's like, man, Maryland has talent. Yeah, I say, like, yeah, we got talent. We always had talent. We just never had a quarterback, you know, <laughs> never had a quarterback. If we ever had a quarterback while I was there, I know my red shirt sophomore year, our defense was lights out. We had me, Quentin Jefferson, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. We had Savage, Sean Davis, William Likely. We had we had dogs on defense, that, <laughs> but we just didn't have no offense like that year we led the we led the nation in turnovers, you know, so that was, that yeah. was a bad thing, but we always had, I'll tell people, I tell guys all the time, man, I, I can't keep sleeping on Maryland. <laughs> Whenever people talk about the two with the quarterback, I'm like, literally one year, they had a lot of a, a linebacker coming right. at the six year. Like it, I can't explain how much of a curse there has been, but hopefully with Talia, things are looking up. And on that note, um, I'm sure you, you keep tabs obviously uh, on Maryland uh, each year with the recruiting classes and whatnot. And, you see Tully is there. You see the talent coming in. 
Um, yep. How quickly do you think locks could turn this into a powerhouse? Man, I think COVID got in the way this year. I think True. this year was a was was going to be a huge step forward for us. You know, um, I think did we did we lose the Rutgers or oh, our last? Yeah, that was that game in overtime. overtime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were so, missing like ten players in that game too. So yeah, we were missing players. You know, and then uh, with uh, the COVID, I think we had missed like two or three weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. So I think that just throws off the whole rhythm of a team. You know, just but. It's just gotta adjust, but I think I think Merlin's trajectory is headed upwards. You know, I think Coach Loxley he obviously does a good job recruiting. You know, and I think he just needs to get the right coordinators, the right the right guys to help him put him in place to call good plays. But I think obviously they have they're they're getting the talent. You know, I think it's time for the Terps to turn around. Uh, I had to get those couple questions in because PJ back when we first started this podcast in like May, PJ, you see the thing over his shoulder. He went to Bama. So he had Minka Fitzpatrick on. So there was a couple minutes where I just let him go with Minka. So he had to let me go today with you with just some, some terrible questions. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That was a lot of fun. Now, Jermaine, before we let you go, we do uh, two segments with all our guests. We call it the Swift Seven, which is seven rapid fire questions. And then okay. we got we got a trivia question for you. Okay. All right. For your Maryland okay. days. So question number one for you, the Swift Seven. What's your favorite road NFL stadium that you've played in? Green Bay. Nice. So much. Lambeau Field, baby. Was it snowing when you played? Oh, well, it was this My year, back, right? At last year, it actually did snow. This, I played in Green Bay twice, and last year it snowed. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> What's, who was your favorite football player growing up? Sean Taylor, easy. 21, rest in peace. Yep. Um, what's the tougher division in football, the Big Ten East or the NFC South? Tougher division? Yeah. Uh, man, that's a good one. I mean, it ain't really a good one because Ohio State win it every year. That's true. <laughs> so that's NFC, true. I'm going to say the NFC South. NFC South. Yeah, your guys' division is, is brutal. Um, yeah. favorite, favorite sport besides football? Uh, ba- I grew up playing basketball. Okay. All right, number five, favorite memory from your time with Maryland football? My favorite memory, other than the locker room memories, uh, <laughs> it was one play against Boston College where, the, uh, where I wasn't supposed to blitz, but the quarterback, he made a check and he called Waggle. So I knew it was a pass and I knew he was rolling out and I got a sack because I called my own number. So I think that's probably my favorite, favorite memory. <laughs> I love that. All right. Now, don't tell us the team, obviously, because you got to keep it private. Probably. I don't know how it works, but probably I'm assuming you got to keep it private. Uh, but players talk all the time about like weird questions that coaches ask them during the interview process for the draft. What was the weirdest question that you were asked in a, in a pre-draft interview? It's crazy. I didn't have any weird questions because I didn't really? go to the con. <laughs> oh, 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 I, I thought. So I I had my pro day at Maryland and I just had my my visits with the teams, uh, but I know I've heard the stories of crazy questions, but I didn't get any crazy questions, you know. So I'm I'm thankful for that. All right, I thought they might have still got you on a pro day, but you know what? I'm gonna take that back. Then I still want a bonus question, so I'll come back to that in a second because I didn't get a real answer because it didn't actually happen. <laughs> number seven, number seven, when in, in air quotes, because we're gonna come back for another one. What are your main uh, time passing hobbies during the off season? In the off season, I play video games. Video games, and I might cook cook for me and my girlfriend every now and then. Are you uh, a Mad- Madden guy, 2K? Madden, 2K. I'm just sports, all sport games. I feel you, Jermaine. I'm the same <laughs> way. I like it. Now, now, that bonus question, since the other one was a bad question on my part, my bad. I always say this in case we got uh, a good football guest on. Uh, favorite football movie? You got to have watched them all. Favorite football movie? 
Favorite football movie? Oh man, it's a lot of them. Oh, what's the uh, any given Sunday? All right, there's a lot you can't go wrong with for that one. Go. Um, all right, you made it through the Swift Seven, kind of eight because instead of seven because I messed up. <laughs> but uh, the trivia question, like PJ said, and then we'll let you go. Uh, I'm trying to think. Mink, did Minka get his? P- yeah, Minka he got did. his PJ. Okay. All right. So you got to you got to compete with it's PJ. About- yes. You, Maryland? It's about Maryland. You got to show out for me now because Minka showed out for Bama when, when PJ had him on. Uh, the 2016 season uh, when we made the bowl game, that's still the last time Maryland's made a bowl game, which is a sad fact, but we know it's turning around. But anyway, uh, I want you to give me the six teams that Maryland beat that season your junior year to make the bowl game. Oh, my junior year. <laughs> you got 90, sec- 90 seconds or three strikes. The six teams F- that we beat. F- FIU, yep, you had to pick six. Yeah. UCF? Yes. No, we, yes. No, we beat yep, them. Yep. Oh, yeah, we lost them the senior year. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers. I know we beat Rutgers. Yeah, yep. you did. You did. <laughs> uh, Purdue? Yes. Purdue, yep. Two you more. Two more. You're missing one Big Ten school and then one, uh, one non-conference. Remember, we started that season 4 0. Now we lost to Indiana. See you, we beat them. Damn. Man, messed up. It was, if it wasn't Indiana. You got two strikes and about 30 seconds left. Was it Michigan State? It yes. was the blackout game at night. One more. It's the easiest one. It's a cupcake at the beginning. Howard. Yep. Howard, well done. <laughs> I well forgot done. that. I forgot about Howard. I forgot about Howard. <laughs> well done. All right. You did it. So, P- PJ, Minka got you your trivia question, and Jermaine got me mine. We're, Jermaine, we're that was nicely done. That was nicely done. <laughs> I had to think for a second. You see <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jermaine, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the offseason, and hopefully uh, next year you don't got to have a swab stuck up your nose every single day of the NFL season. <laughs> And obviously, we, we wish you all the best of luck. I keep tabs on you all the time. PJ, I'm sure, will be now, too. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Jermaine. Take it easy, man. Take care. Peace. That was Jermaine Carter, Jr. of the Carolina Panthers and formerly of Maryland, obviously. We had to get that in there. PJ, he went ahead, like I said, tied for, for Minka Fitzpatrick getting the trivia question right. I got Those Maryland NFL dudes. They're, you know, Morgan Cox got his two with the buzzer, so the NFL guys are three for three. Hey, what he said in there about, like, Luke Kuechly remembering plays from, like, eight years ago, he, he had that. NFL players on the defensive side of the ball, if they're a play caller, I feel like, they got that memory, man. I mean, it's, it's like a quarterback where you, you just – they're different. Right. Like, with no offense to tight ends or defensive ends or offensive linemen, I feel like maybe they might not have that kind of recall. Maybe we'll have to see if we get guests at those positions. It's like a point guard in basketball. Exactly. They're an extension of the coach. A catcher in, a catcher in baseball. Yep. 100%. Um, that's it. That, that's, that, what a I, great I guy, though. That was my first time I've met Jermaine. Awesome. And how about the insight? Because he's played Kansas City and yeah. Tampa twice. So not many better people to talk to than a guy who's faced both teams. And it, it's nice yeah. to know that his fans – that. Some of the things that he was saying that you can kind of see when you watch games like Devontae Adams was probably the best skill guy. I think he's the best receiver in football. So it's nice to see that Jermaine was like, yeah, that that dude's a yeah. problem. And then uh, it's just, you know, he, he says the difference playing guys like Brady and Mahomes. Mahomes is so special 
just making something out of nothing. He's great when the play doesn't break down, but especially when it does. But he said Brady with just all those years of oh, wisdom, yeah. the checks at and, the line of scrimmage. And that's something that uh, Brady had mentioned. I think it was the Tom Rinaldi piece before one of the recent – I forgot if it was the Saints game or if it was the Packers game. The quote from Brady was um, – the reason I could still keep going besides the fact that I have kept myself in good physical shape, it's that I now have the answers to the test. When I was younger, I relied on more of my physical ability, the, my arm, all that. Now it's all between the ears. And because of that, I can get away with not being exactly where I was physically, even though I'm still in good shape with all the TB12 stuff. Uh, and that's what I feel like is so dangerous about Mahomes going forward is that, by all accounts, Mahomes is like a supercomputer between the ears and he's picking it up real quick. So if he's able to get to that, like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, later stages of career mentality earlier yeah, with that, it's, it's a wrap. It's over. It's a wrap <laughs> what he could do physically. Everybody's playing for second place at that point. <laughs> I don't point. think Jermaine's going to want to play the Chiefs too many more times yeah. as it goes along, especially that it's, you know, cross-conference every four years. I think by the time he plays Mahomes four years from now, if he's still with the Panthers, and, and Mahomes, I would assume, is still with Chiefs. Um, I, I think he's going to have a little bit of a different different thought on that. But it was a perfect storm to have Jermaine on this week, like you said, because played Packers, played Chiefs, played Saints, played Bucks. Great insights from him. Yep. And it just got me thinking about what, what he was saying about the, the Bucks and the Packers game this past week as we now get into just, just looking back at, at championship weekend. Um, I, it was another one of those where the whole game – I felt like the Packers deserved to win and it wasn't really Rogers fault that they weren't. It was the Aaron Jones fumble. It, it was that kind of stuff drops. It was the play at the end of halftime or at the first half. I mean, that was the cap. Like those, those things, you know, Brady threw an interception on three drives in a right. row in the second half and they still couldn't get it done. And I mean, the Lafleur decision. I'm, I'm glad Jermaine uh, said what he said too. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going for a touchdown in that spot. And, and I asked him that question because it's something that I'm sitting there. My biggest thought while I was happening is like, wow, besides Rogers being pissed that he had the ball taken out of his hand. What is the thought process of every other player on that team in that moment? Cause again, like I, like I mentioned to Jermaine, obviously you see them on the sideline, they're talking to their position coaches and whatnot, and they're getting ready for that next drive. But somebody had to have tapped a linebacker for the Packers on the shoulder. Like, Hey, we're kicking a field goal. And I, like, what was his genuine human reaction in that? in that case. But Hey, like Jermaine said, it, it's, it's out of their control. Um, it, and, and like he noted, if it would have worked out, Lafleur would have been put on everybody's shoulders as a genius, but this comes back to the fact that like, especially with analytics, um, it, I just can't fathom making field goal decisions like that too. And, and we'll get to the other championship game in a moment, but the same thing with McDermott kicking two field goals. So yes. I don't know. It, it felt like another one of those games where, I felt the whole way like the Packers deserved to win. But like Jermaine said, penalties, turnovers, just mental lapses like the Scotty Miller touchdown, those things count more than anything when you look back on a game. And the Lafleur decision too. So I was listening to the post game, and obviously he was thinking, you know, we score there, we have the two-minute warning, we have all three timeouts. Well, Matt, if you guys don't get that fourth and goal, they have the ball on their own seven-yard line, exactly. and you still have – all three timeouts, the two-minute warning, and you get much better field position than you would if you kick it deep and you force a three and out. So the decision to kick made absolutely zero sense. I feel sense. like the thing that coaches keep coming back to is that if they want to take themselves out of the, the need to get a two-point conversion, if that was part of his thought process, like, okay, 
sure, I'd have good field position, but I still need that two-point conversion. Look across the league. Look at yourself. The two-point percentage is right around 50% if you're a good offense. So I'm taking that chance over giving Tom Brady the ball back with three timeouts and the two-minute warning. Forget about that. It's still Tom Brady. And the other thing, too, if the return man, Mickens, um, was, was on his P's and Q's and thinking about it more, the Packers wouldn't have even had the two-minute warning. If he would have run around – he went down on that – after he yes. fielded the kick, he went down. If he stood up right. for two more seconds, you take the two-minute warning out of the equation, right. and now that fourth built-in timeout that LaFleur was banging on is gone. So it was just yeah. a, a you just, mess all You feel around. so bad for Aaron. And, and, Joe, you know, we talk about Brady getting to his 10th Super Bowl and just how ridiculous it is. But the fact that he has now won the NFC as many times as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Crazy. Brees, if that doesn't put it in perspective, I mean, it's just what, you know, he's, he's made, made the it. Super Bowl 10 out of 20 <laughs> seasons that he was healthy. That's 50%. That's he'll, he'll, he will have made the Super Bowl more than any fan of any team will ever get to see their team Absolutely. in the Super Bowl in their lifetime. It's, it's Absolutely. wild. Um, and, and like, think, to put it in that kind of context, like the, Throw out the year that he tore his ACL in the first quarter of the first game. Okay. Throw that out. So it's, we're talking about 20 seasons, not 21. He's made 10 Super Bowls now. That's 50 50. So the odds of Tom Brady making the Super Bowl are the Our same coin odds <laughs> of, the, of the pregame coin toss when he's out there next week for the Super Bowl. That's it's, crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But look, Jermaine said he thought the Packers were the best team that they played. We both like Green Bay last mm-hmm. week. But like you said, even though Brady had three turnovers, one of them was in the red zone. It just never felt like it was catastrophic. It just, yeah. you, you thought like, oh, maybe Rodgers will lead him down and score and they'll take the lead. But that play at the end of the first half for Tampa, Backbreaker. they were going to punt. They take the timeout. They convert the fourth, fourth down. And then your boy, Greg Williams, just on the sideline, I guess, for that one play for the Green Bay defense. Hey, is- it was Mike Patton. It was it, Mike Patton, another former Jets <laughs> defensive coordinator. <laughs> they just they That's have they, they can't guard at the end of uh, at the end of halves. But credit Tampa, man, because I, I gave you the trivia question last week. It doesn't happen as much as you think for teams in the wild card round yep. to win three road games, go to the Super Bowl, and of course Tom Brady does it. Of course the Bucks become the first team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. It just goes on and on. But Joe, to me, the AFC championship game, Kansas City, it, it just, you know, that's why I feel like if you're going to beat Kansas City, it's going to have to be in the divisional round. I just think when you get to the AFC championship game, you see how hard it is to beat Brady in the AFC champion yeah. or the NFC championship game. I just, if you get Mahomes to that game, it's, it's, it's just, it's tough to beat them. And the problem though with the divisional round logic is, Andy Reid's record off of a bye is absurd. Yeah. So I, I it, it's for me, it's going to have to be like, look, we're going to have to see what this team becomes when Travis Kelsey is gone, when the cap crunch because of Mahomes' contract starts to catch up to them. We'll have to see what they become. I think they'll be more vulnerable when that time comes, obviously. Right now, they're just a super team because with Mahomes still on his rookie deal, technically, they're able to afford all these guys. I think that starts to change, obviously, when that goes away. But it, you, you say divisional round. Well, look at Reed's record off of a bye. Conference championship game, I'm never picking against Mahomes because I think he's going to get to the – as we've seen, 
he is going to get to that Brady point where if they're in the conference championship game, you could pretty much bank on them making the Super Bowl. And then you think about, all right, well, maybe it's the wild card round. Well, that is where I think it could be, PJ, because – And now that have, only the now, one team – Exactly. Yeah. Now that there's only one buy, I think they got to just one year, they're just going to have – if they go 12-4 and four instead of 14-2, and two, and they're a three seed, right? And they run into like a Ravens caliber team in the first round. I think that's where it is for me. Right. No, I, think, I agree. I think that's where it would have to be early because the later it goes, forget it. If they have the bye, I'm not picking against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes off a bye. And then in the conference championship game, I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to lose right. the Super Bowl on the line. The only reason they lost the first conference championship game they made was because it was against Tom Brady and because of that offsides penalty that never let Mahomes touch the ball in overtime. That's the only reason. So, um, and look, Marcus Spears said on ESPN the other day, I thought it was a great line. He said, when that game was nine, nothing, it felt like it was tied because the chiefs, you, you're spotting them at least nine or 10. Well, I was actually thinking, I was thinking myself, I was joking. I'm like, that was brilliant by Bass to miss the extra point because they're not down double digits. So (laughs) maybe it's like, this. (laughs) it's still two scores, but it's not double digits. So maybe the chiefs are like, what do we do here? But they just, they, they went on their chief like run and the super bowl is going to be because Tom Brady, you don't bet against him in the super bowl or in the playoffs and Pat Mahomes, you don't bet against him, but you got to bet against one of them. I tell you what though, maybe you don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs, but he has lost a few super bowls. So maybe you do bet against him in the super bowl, but he has, um, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a great game. Um, And and to touch quickly though, those two McDermott field goals, same thing. He, he, his, his rationale for the first one was, was before the half. Oh, I wanted to just boost our spirits. Kicking a field goal there probably felt like a loss because of who you're playing on the other side. My logic when I was talking about it was you, the chiefs absolute worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario. We're scoring 10 points in the second half. So with 31 as your target score, you can't be kicking field goals there. Um, but hopefully coaches stop doing that going forward. And you would hope and um, the, the bills will probably be back too. I mean, I, I think they'll be back. I don't know if they'll be as consistent getting to that level as people think, especially if Sean Watson enters the division, whether it's with the dolphins or the jets. Uh, I don't think they will be as consistent, but I think the bills are, are safely in that category now of the Ravens where they might be a wild card team one year. They might win the division the next year, but they're always going to be in it. I think. Yeah. Now the bills, I mean, they're set up for, for the thing that surprised me about the game was Kansas city's defense is quietly underrated. Their secondary really yeah was blanketing digs. Beasley was shaking up, but all those receivers, I mean, Allen really didn't have many open throwing lanes. So that's why in the Super Bowl, I know a whole lot of people are going to bet the over, but the way both defenses are playing, this could be a game in the high 20s, maybe. Maybe one team gets in the 30s, maybe one in the mid 20s. But we'll I can see that. I can see um, that. Hey, I got my, from October, I've got my, uh, I have my Buccaneers futures bet still for the Super Bowl. I still got that alive. Really? Uh, so I've got, I've what did that, that? What is that ticket plan? It's not. It's not Plus. a ton. I, I got it at. Uh, uh, it was. I bet fifteen bucks on it, and the payout's one twenty. Okay. So I'm really torn right now. What I want to do with it, uh, because I, my pick is the Chiefs. I feel like I got to let it ride, but like my pick is the Chiefs. So I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe I hope for. Uh, um, maybe I hope for the the Bucks to get out to to a one score lead. And so it becomes like even odds and then just bet the Chiefs. I don't know. I, I got two weeks to think about, or I guess I got less than that. Now I got a week to think about it. 
Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I got I to be to think about it. I'll leave it at that. I'm not sure what I want to do because the Chiefs are my pick, but I, I feel like I'm going to regret throwing away a Tom Brady Super Bowl ticket that I got from September. I already know I'm going to bet Chiefs money line, and I'm going to get the Bucks in an alternative spread at like seven and a half maybe. And just because I think it could be like a Chiefs three, four point win and hopefully hit both in the middle there. Um, Joe, the coaching carousel is all done in the NFL. David Culley went to Houston. I know Robert Sala was obviously your favorite (laughs) hire for, but outside of the Jets, which coaching hire did you like the best or maybe is the most intriguing to you? Um, So intriguing is an interesting word because Urban Meyer is intriguing. I want to see what he does in the NFL. Dan Campbell's intriguing because he's a psychopath. Yes. (laughs) Um, Staley, Staley is intriguing because he went from D3 to an NFL head coach in like two and a half years. Um, so, so a lot of them are intriguing for different reasons. The Texans are in, with Cully are intriguing because that is a sinking ship, and I'm really curious to see what he can do with it. Uh, the Falcons with Arthur Smith, very intriguing because that hire indicates that they are not giving up on Matt Ryan and this championship window. They just want to revamp it and hope that Smith could have the same effect that Kyle Shanahan did on Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. So a lot, they're all intriguing in some aspects. Um, did I miss one there? Did I, did I cover them all? They're uh, the Eagles, Sirianni. The Eagles. That yeah. one, that one is, I, I'll have to say that was the one that I kind of like looked at and was like, eh. but then I was like, okay, maybe because think about it. Frank Reich was, Essential for Carson Wentz. Yeah, and now Sirianni, and now Sirianni was Reich's right hand man. Yeah, so that was one where I looked at, and I wasn't too intrigued by it at first, but then I got to thinking, and and it got me more into it. Um, Now I thought about rank. Could you rank them as far as what you think? I I had trouble with ranking them as far as what I thought was the best hire. I I thought the Jets with Salah was my favorite. That just seems like that seems like a home run. Urban Meyer, I cannot wait to see. I can't wait because obviously his track record in college football, will that translate in today's age of football? And just being in Jacksonville, the fact that he's in that low market, expectations won't be really high. Um, The division isn't like an NFC East where you got all these big markets. Um, But after Sala, I'd probably say that – Urban is my number two because Ooh. I think I think it was probably the best hire that any team made. And then you could really make an argument for everybody else. The Texans hiring the Texans hiring Cully was probably my least favorite. I'm like, you're you're hiring a Ravens wide receiver coach. Have you seen our yeah. receiver? I mean, court? look, 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 last year, last year there was a similar hire with that with Joe Judge going to the Giants. And it's worked yes. out. By all yeah, I like Judge, yeah, I do. So the, the, the just a, the big hanging question here is what the heck is going on with the Texans? So like I can't judge that. I kind of cast that one aside, throw it to the bottom of the heap because I just don't know. Um, for me, I think Staley is towards the bottom because with that team, I really felt like they needed to get an offensive guy because Definitely. of Herbert. Um, now we've had this conversation where like I don't think it's this you know the whole thing of hiring an offensive guy versus a defensive guy. You hire a defensive guy, it means your offensive guy might get hired away in a couple of years. Fine. If, if, if he gets hired away in a couple of years, it means that he's good. And he's probably got somebody who's good underneath him ready to step up. Look mm-hmm. at the Titans. The Titans are the perfect example with that. The t- Vrabel came in. He had LaFleur. LaFleur left. He had Arthur Smith. He's gone. So as long as you have a good guy to start things off, you're probably going to have a pipeline underneath him. But I really felt like the Chargers needed to go with somebody like Dable 
for Justin Herbert's sake. Because when you already have that quarterback, it was different with Tannehill because he was more of a veteran and he already been through a couple offensive coordinators. So he kind of knows to deal Herbert. He, he comes in, he has tremendous success. And now you hire a defensive coach where, all right, his rookie offensive coordinator gone. Now with this defensive head coach, if his offensive coordinator is good, then he's gone. I, and now you're stunting maybe the growth of a young quarterback by having no continuity. So I really felt like Dable would have been perfect there. That one I'd throw at the bottom. Again, Dan Campbell, I've got no clue. The guy's insane. Um, it it's could the go. Lions. It I mean, could what be, are they doing? <laughs> it could go really well or it could go really poorly. But I, I'm not really as high on Urban as you are because I don't like what they paired him with for the GM. I don't really like the staff they put around him. I don't know that I see him being the um, the the type of guy who comes in and tones down the way he coached in college. And we saw he's kind of along the lines of a Saban, right? Yeah. And we saw Saban flame out of Miami to the point that the stories have come out recently that Dante Culpepper and Zach Thomas wanted to fight the guy. So I just don't know. And with all the health issues he's had too, like, how long-term is this hire? I, I don't know. It, it, for me, it was a splash that the Jaguars would make because of them wanting to kind of kind of raise their profile. But I just don't I, don't, I don't know that that was the right move for them. I feel like Urban Meyer probably would have fit better in a situation like the, like the Chargers, where they're probably a better infrastructure as an organization they're further along, even though obviously they're going to get Trevor Lawrence now. You already saw a year of Herbert. You see the defensive pieces they have. Like, where they're further along, and for Urban, it's like a two-year build, and then they're a contender. Jacksonville might be a longer build, and is he going to stick around for it? So, I don't know. It was more of a head-scratcher for me, but it could be a home run. It, ob- it absolutely could be a home run. The Chargers' job, too, you got to compete with Kansas City, and that's yeah. that's the tough part about it. But Urban is – it's so intriguing because, obviously, that's the comparison is Nick Saban and will his style translate. I just think Urban being away from football for a couple of years, sitting back in that L.A. Fox studio watching games, maybe it was good for him, but it's, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to watch. As for the QBs, Joe, just real quick, we talked about Watson possibly going to the Jets. He has now said that – he want, He's requested a trade to get out of there. Matthew Stafford's gotten a lot of talk. Um, which, like, which, which just QB in a new, besides Watson to the Jets for you, which QB yeah. do you want to see, like, in a new team? Do you think would be, like, a solid fit? So I love the total chaos scenario of the – Lions trading Matthew Stafford to the Cowboys to bring him back home, which then frees up Dak Prescott to throw another QB into the mix. Because with all the other stuff going on, Stafford, Watson, all this and that, people are forgetting that Dak Prescott's a free agent and they have to tag him or sign him. So he could also enter as well. Yes. So for the total chaos of it, I would love to see Stafford be traded to the Cowboys like next week. Um, because the reports have been coming out that the, the Lions apparently would like to have this deal agreed to in place before the Super Bowl or shortly thereafter. So when it comes time to the quote-unquote combine, because it's not really a normal combine this year, they already want to be in the process of focusing fully on evaluating a quarterback. So that could happen quickly. I would love to see him ignite that total chaos scenario, but I would also love to see him with the Washington football team 
because I, of all the other quarterbacks who are, could be on the move, that's the move I really most want to see because with that defense, we saw what they did this year. Look, it was a terrible division. They only got in the playoffs because it was a terrible division. But I stand by the fact, and I, I was low on them. Remember preseason, I didn't think they would get the five and a half wins because I didn't think that Alex Smith would play. I stand by the fact that if Alex Smith played the whole season, I think they would have won nine games. A hobbled Alex Smith who hadn't played football in, how, in two years could have gotten them the nine win because of that defense, because of the t- talent they have on offense with McLaurin, with Logan Thomas, with the running backs and Gibson and McKissick. And they have a fine offensive line. It could be better, but the defense is lights out. So you throw Matthew Stafford into that equation. They're, PJ, they're a sleeper Super Bowl team if you throw Matthew Stafford in that equation. And I, I was looking at the Super Bowl odds. They're like plus 5,000 right now. So that's the one that I'm looking at is if you want to get into like a Super Bowl pick like way early, they're a sleeper Super Bowl team if they get Matthew Stafford. I would love I'm not, to see that would happen. I'm not high on Stafford. Super talented. There's no denying that. But I, the guy hasn't won anything. Like at a certain fault, point. He's, he, been, he's been a top 10 quarterback in yards and QBR by every metric for almost the entirety of his career. It's just that the Lions have been an absolute dumpster fire to the point that Megatron retired early and that left him with nothing. And even with nothing, he still continued to excel. It's been just the absolute – it's almost – and I'll use an analogy that you will appreciate. It is almost at this point like Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, there's nothing wrong with Bradley Beal. There's everything wrong with everything around Bradley Beal. Yes. I think that's kind of the situation with Matthew Stafford, where if you finally save him from the Lions and put him on the Cowboys or you put him on Washington, you will see what he can actually become. So I would love to see him in Washington. I do want to see him on a contending team because I think he deserves it, and of it course. will will let us see just how good he really is. Um, but, look, Washington, I agree. We talk about teams that are like a quarterback away. They obviously are right there. Chicago with their defense, they're right there. San Francisco, if they get a good quarterback, they're right there. So, I mean, Adam Schefter said he thinks like 18 quarterbacks could change. To, I, it, could be, it could be absurd. Um, Joe, no best bets this week. We got where would you go, Joe? Before we get into that, just a, a little college hoops talk. Um, I'll let you talk about the Terps because they just – they win big road games, yeah. but they can't win – it's such, a, it's such a weird year, and it, it, we're getting into that time when we can start looking at some Joe Lenardi bracketology and Terps are right on the cusp, and it, it's, it's such a hard team to kind of gauge right now, and I really don't have any idea of how the rest of the season could go. And if they get into the tournament as like an 8 or 9 seed or a 10 seed, whatever, like they're a team that you don't want to play. Um, it, it, the game the other night against Wisconsin, on the flip side of that, Wisconsin is a team with all those seniors that I wouldn't want to play. The Big nah. Ten uh, is going to be a scary team, a scary conference. You insist that the Big Ten is way overrated. I don't understand it or buy that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'll let you have the floor with that. I don't understand it. You look top to bottom in that conference, and, and we've seen it in the past, they might not have the elite of the elite that is going to make a Final Four, but – they're a team that is certainly going to have the most teams in the turn, a conference, excuse me, that is certainly going to have the most teams in. Sure. And they're probably going to have the most teams in the second round. And they're probably going to have the most 16 teams as well. 
I, they, they probably could, but when it comes down to it, when you're looking at final four teams and maybe even elite eight teams, I think maybe there, there are only one or two elite eight, eight teams, maybe in, in the big 10. I just think there are a lot of good teams. I think there's only okay, one but great in, in other team. conferences, in other conferences, how many other conferences can you point at and say they have more than one or two elite eight teams? Uh, There's only eight teams that get to the Elite Eight. Right, right, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the Big 12, because Baylor's an Elite Eight team. And then, you know, Texas yeah. Tech, we both love uh, Beard. Texas is really good, but I'm not, I'm not high on I'm Texas. Not Texas. West Virginia, I'm not high on them either. No. Um, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, I think the Big Ten's a really good conference. I think it's the best conference in college basketball. I just don't think it's as good as everybody else thinks it is. I think the teams that are in the conference are overrated. I think the conference as a whole is very good. I think they're the best conference in the country. I just don't think that they're as good as everybody thinks they are. I don't think Iowa's as good as everybody thinks they are. I don't think Illinois is as good as everybody thinks they are. But then I think a team like Ohio State is underrated. I don't think people appreciate how good they are. So there's ebb and flow within that, within that conference. Rutgers, a team that has been struggling, very good. They just waxed Michigan State by 30. So the conference is deep, but I think within it, there are teams that are overrated and teams that are underrated, if that makes sense. So that's, that's my point. See, with the I can 10. see that. I can see that. Now, now that we're starting to get the more consistent refreshes by Joe Lenardi for his bracketology, we're, we're at the point of the year where it's like every three days we get an update. Yes. Um, we finally, we've kind of swept college basketball under the rug because there's so many moving parts, so many cancellations. Uh, early in the year, it was like, oh, you're free today. Let's play a game. And now here we are We're finally getting into the, the back end of the conference season, conference tournaments on the horizon. Right now, we're recording this on the 29th. We're releasing it on January 31st. Who are a couple of teams that you have? And this is the main reason we wanted to have this college basketball conversation today. Who are a couple of teams as we get into February that you are looking at as sleeper teams for your bracket when the time comes? Who can really make a run at this thing? Uh, that is a good question. Let me pull the bracket up. So I know exactly I can look at teams off the top of my head. The one that I can think of is I do, I do like Virginia a lot. And I know that their style of play doesn't do well in the tournament other than the year that they won the, uh, the won the championship Florida state's a team. I, Leonard, Ham one of mine. Yep. <laughs> Leonard Hamilton, his teams are like the same every year. And they're and they good never every year. They're good every year. They never get talked about because they're in the ACC, and you obviously got Duke and Carolina, but they're deep. They're athletic. They can shoot. They're probably playing the best of any ACC team right now, so they're really good. I'll say the ACC is an underrated conference in the sense that because Duke and Carolina aren't good this year and they're not being talked about, don't let that sway you from the fact that Virginia and Florida State are playing yeah. really, really well. Um but other than that, Joe, I mean, you, you look at a couple teams. Look, I, I like Bama. I've told you. I think they have the best chance to beat Gonzaga just because of how they can shoot the ball. If anybody's going to beat and them. And because I'm, of that picture frame hanging over your left shoulder. <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to be biased. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, I told you Ohio State, um, I think as far as the Big Ten Conference goes, I think they're – the most underrated team, the one that's not being talked about that probably should be. 
Missouri right now, Lenardi has a three seed, not buying Missouri. Um, I'm not buying much of the SEC besides Bama, honestly. No, I'm with you. I don't think – I think Tennessee's overrated. I think Missouri's overrated. The SEC is not a good conference. Like right now as it is, um, as of the 29th, Lenardi has Maryland and Seton Hall in a play-in game. I would pick Seton Hall in that game. But whoever wins that gets Tennessee. I would pick either of those teams to beat Tennessee. I'm, I'm I agree. very low on Tennessee. No, I don't think the SEC is good. The, team, the teams you mentioned are, are up my alley as well. But the one that you didn't mention now, but you mentioned before, five-seed Texas Tech as it stands yeah. right now. Nobody yeah. wants to play them. No, problem they don't. Is, problem is right now they're – projected to be in Gonzaga's region. I don't oh, want that at all. I don't want that. that I want to save that. I want to see right now. I want Gonzaga and Baylor just straight line in the final four. I want these sleeper teams like Texas tech to end up in Nova's region or in Michigan's region or whoever ends up being the other one seeds, whether it's Houston, whether it's Bama, but probably Nova and Michigan. I want them to be there because I want a final four. That's going to pit Baylor excuse me, um, Gonzaga against Texas Tech. I don't want Baylor, Texas Tech. We see it in conference play. I want to see Gonzaga and Texas Tech. On the other side, I would love, I would love to see Baylor. And just to show that you're not being a total homer, I buy it as well. I would love to see Baylor against Alabama on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. Those are a couple of things that, that are piquing my interest now. Joe, in tomorrow the in the day. SEC Big 12 Challenge, Bama plays Oklahoma, and Oklahoma just beat Kansas and Texas in their last two games. That is the best game of the day. I cannot wait for that one. I'll say this, last thing about college basketball. We obviously always have upsets in the first round of the tournament, but I think this year could really be one of the bigger ones with upsets. I could see that. When you combine the fact that all these mid-major teams are usually upperclassmen, they've been together a while, and these power five teams usually are led by freshmen or super sophomores. And, I mean, I'm looking at like a team like St. Bonaventure in the 11 hole. Fantastic. Drake is undefeated right now. They're a nine seed. Western Kentucky is a team that Bama lost to. They got D1 level like power five Con, uh, competition. Liberty's been a team out of the A-Sun that's been great the past couple of years. Belmont, we know, is always a solid team. So I think this year, Gonzaga and Baylor will probably, that'll probably be your championship game. Those yeah. two teams are just so good. But in the early rounds, everybody loves upsets, but this year, I really think you could see a lot of upsets in the first I round. agree, and especially because it's going to be so tough. How many teams, PJ, are you going to get where you look at and see that they're pretty much they're really misseeded. I think that's well, going to happen absolutely. a lot. That's absolutely. that's the biggest thing for me this year. Where I think there's going to be there's going to be a team that you look at who's like a Drake as a nine seed or like a St. Bonaventure, just to stick with your example as an eleven seed, where they're probably deserving of more than that. But the selection committee they're going to give the bigger name, bigger conference schools the benefit of the doubt. If all right, take a team like. Texas, for example, that they've had some COVID issues now. They've had right. different causes. If they falter towards the end and they start stumbling a little bit where they would maybe deserve a four seed, you're probably going to see them on the three line or even the two line because they're going to give them that benefit of the doubt. Sure. Tennessee really struggled to start the year with COVID issues. They, I wouldn't put them as a five right now. They should probably be a six or a seven, but they're on the five line for the benefit of the doubt. I think you're going to see that a lot more as it goes along. Um, another team like, like a Louisville 
I don't think Louisville should be ahead of certain teams. As an no, I'm with you. I don't think they're any good. They be further no, down. So I think you're going to see teams misseeded, and that's going to be a big factor in the upsets. It's a great point. It's a great point because, yeah, I mean, some te- Villanova didn't play a game for a month. And yeah. I think everybody thinks they're one of the four best teams in the country. They should be a I one seed, but they might have lost a game or two and might not be a one seed right now. Exactly. So it's it's a very good point. Um, all right, Joe. So no football this week, no best bets. So we're bringing back where would you go, oh, Joe? First, I have to make note of the fact that no, you um, don't have to. We're gonna go yeah, by no, the no, best no, no, bets. No, no, I no, no, I do, I do, I do, I do. Um, <sighs> yes, yeah, so a triumphant return of where would you go, Joe? But first. Because you went 0-5 last week, and I went 4-1 and in best bets, I have already mathematically clinched best bets because that gave me a seven-game lead. And for the Super Bowl, we are doing, uh, we're doing the, the winner, spread, and then we're doing five props. Excuse me, four props is what we said we were doing. So six. We're going to have a bonus for, for that week. Instead of five, we'll have six because of the props that we want to pick. So even though we're doing six picks for the Super Bowl, you still can't catch me because I'm up by seven. Are so you done? Can we move Clinched. on now? Thank Clinched. you. Bye-bye. Move on to where we Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was disgusted with last week. I just owned five. I should have done the opposite, and I would have gone five and out. Um, all right, where would you go, Joe? Answer choice A. We got huge college basketball game tonight, Iowa at Illinois. B is Bucks at Pelicans, Giannis versus Zion. Answer choice C is Farmers Insurance Open PGA Tour. They're at Torrey Pines this week. Lovely Torrey Pines. Rom's playing. Rory's playing. Shoffley, Kepka, nice field. And then answer choice D, we got one hockey game on the Just slate. One. Blue Jackets at Blackhawks. Tell you what, if Patrick Laine was debuting for the Blue Jackets tonight, which he's not, would have considered it. Wow. But early season, I'm going to cast that one aside. Uh, farmer's insurance. It didn't really tickle my fancy this week. My cast that one aside, even though I love Tory pines, Iowa, Illinois is a huge big 10 matchup. Bucks Pelicans is the great star power with Giannis and Zion. It's a tough one, but for the conversations that we just had about college basketball and the big 10 and, and seedings, and Iowa's on a two line and Illinois is on a four line. That's a massive game. I'm headed to Illinois for Iowa, Illinois tonight. I would have done the same. So I, I agree with you. Uh, that's that's going to be a great game. Who do you like in that game? Who do you think wins? Uh, I really think that Illinois can give Iowa problems. I think if Coburn stays out of foul trouble, especially, that's always a big issue. But they rely too heavily on Nasumu. And Iowa, just there's, there's different guys that can hurt you. Everybody focuses on Garza. But there are multiple guys on Iowa that can hurt you. So I do think, especially because there's no real, obviously, home court factor. This year, look at Maryland. They haven't won a conference home game yet. They're killing it on the road in the conference. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and and pick Iowa. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Iowa wins tonight. Illinois is a good team, but they've lost some games at home. They lost to Maryland at home. They lost to Ohio State at home. They've they've been struggling at home a little bit. Uh, Joe, it is trivia time. And let me pull up the standings because – I think I'm up one. one. Yeah, question. Uh, I'm question. up 13 and a half to 12 and a half, a one point lead for you. Um, I can give you my question first, if you would go like. for it. Go All for right. It. It, it was a tough, you know, Super Bowls next week, college basketball still a month away from March Madness. Just so, you know, I went Super Bowl as a as solid. OK, that's fine. Nonsense. And I was so thinking I of doing that, but I wanted to see how well you were paying attention to what's going on at the NHL. 
So there are very, very well. (laughs) Okay, good. So then you should hopefully get this question. I want to know the six teams in the NHL right now that have 11 or more points. Six teams that have 11 or more points. That is correct. All right. And perfect. This is going to segue right into what I wanted to just briefly touch on at the end of the show. Go Washington Capitals. One. Toronto Maple Leafs. Two. Montreal Canadiens. Three. Vegas Golden Knights. Four. Um, There's two more in the East, I think. Is it the Flyers and the Bruins? Damn. <laughs> Clean there we go. That was not <laughs> expecting that. Well done. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, just that made that question really easy. Hey, look, we, you know, we've talked about how we were looking forward to this part of the year because we're getting back to work, working virtually again at NBC Sports Washington. And I'm doing all the graphics for the Caps game. So I well, have to build standings graphics all the time. This well, I didn't know if you had the standings graphics I have the standings for the I have the standings for the East built for every show. Okay. So I knew that they were the three teams that I mentioned in the East. Um, but for last night's show, because the Capitals had a ridiculous win to get to 5-0-3, they were losing 3-0 in the first period, scored 5 in the second, won the game 6-3. Uh, I went ahead and looked at the standings to – for one of my graphics, I had Capitals lead the league in points because <sighs> at the time they did because the Maple Leafs played a 10 p.m. game. Yes. So at least for that couple of hours, the Capitals led the league in points. So I literally just looked at the standings and I, and I didn't go by division. I literally sorted it by league to see all the top teams. So I literally just looked at this last night. So I, I got lucky with that one. <laughs> you did. Well done. All right. So you got that one tied up at 13 and a half. I'm ready for mine. All right. Like I said, my instead of Super Bowl. Uh, I want you to give me the teams, the five teams that have lost the most Super Bowl games. Now, the fifth spot, there are three teams tied with three Super Bowl losses. I will give it to you if you name any of the three teams that are tied. So you give me one from that group, and then obviously the four teams above it for the top five. Most Super Bowl losses. Okay. Uh, The Buffalo Bills. Correct. Four losses. They are third. Um, The Steelers. The Steelers are not there. They've only lost two. They're in eighth place. Wow. All right. So the Steelers have lost two. I know the 49ers have lost two. Um, Let's see. The the Patriots. Patriots have lost five. Um, The the Rams. Uh, The Rams are just barely because of the loss to the Patriots, one of the teams that are tied for fifth. So I'll give you that one. Okay. Two more to go. Um, Man. Seattle, maybe, or let's see, Seattle, the Bengals have lost a couple. I'll go Seattle. Uh, Seattle is not one of the teams. Damn. I mean, it's got to be Dallas. Two strikes. Green Bay. I'll go Dallas. Dallas is one of the other teams that's tied with the Rams. So I'm not going to give you a strike, but it doesn't get you the answer correct. Okay. Um... Let's see. I don't think it's the Vikings, Packers, Bears, Saints. You got 20 seconds left and one strike. Ravens. And how many more do I need? Uh, you need to get one, two more teams. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the Falcons? It's not the Falcons. That's strike three, and you were at the time limit anyway. Uh, so you got the Patriots. They're number one with five. Tied for the tied with the Patriots for number one, five losses. Denver Broncos. Uh, Plus the Broncos. You, you got the Bills third or 
tied for third with four losses. The other team that is also 0-4 in the Super Bowl, Minnesota Vikings, was the other team you were missing. You were missing the Broncos and the Vikings. I didn't know if they had been to that many Super Bowls. Okay. Yep. And, and like I said, the, the Cowboys were one of the teams that was tied with the Rams. For yep. The other team that, was, that would have qualified for that is the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Wow, Minnesota, Minnesota. Because Denver, I knew won two with Elway. So I'm like, I don't think they've they did. lost. They also lost three with Elway. They were two and three in the Super Bowl with Elway. Uh, they were one and one in the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. And then they were Damn, and one. I didn't realize like, Elway going made way it back. I didn't realize Elway made it five Super Bowls. Yeah. Wow. Lost his first three and then rode into the sunset by winning back to back. That was a good one. Well done. I like that question. Great episode. Jermaine Carter was awesome. That was good insight from him. And uh, yeah, Joe, next week will be the Super Bowl preview. PJ, PJ, this is it. We had football talk this week. We'll have next week is going to be almost exclusively football, which is good because we got our college basketball talk out of the way today, as far as setting up the, the run into February and March. Yep. NBA, nothing's really going on. We're in the early doldrums of the season. Hockey just started. I want to touch on that quickly in a second. Um, and we, you touched on it with trivia. But then that's it. All football next week. And then beyond that, we get back to our full slate because hockey will be going. NBA will be getting going towards the all-star break. Uh, we got college basketball coming down the home stretch. We'll have spring training heating up. Uh, what am I missing? We're going we're gonna to have a, a NASCAR episode with our dear friend Davey Siegel because the Daytona 500 is coming Australian up. Open starts Aussie, in a couple weeks. Aussie Open starts in a couple <laughs> weeks. So while football will be leaving us, the sports guys are giving us everything else. Sure so it, it was a conversation we had in the summer that we were getting to the point of the year where it was only football. And if I'm going to have only one of them, I'm That's glad the it's only football. Definitely. But now we're back to the other end of the cycle where it's football's gone, but we have everything else at our disposal. It's a beautiful um, time. Before we end quick hockey. I mean, as far as the, what we talked about in the season preview, um, I was high on the capitals. I didn't think they would be this good, especially with the players they're missing. Quick shout out to them because they are missing four. Key, Joe, it's key the regular starters. season caps. I, I mean, know, this is what they do. Yeah, but like, talk to me in they, April they, when they're they, losing they, to the Islanders in five games. This, they didn't do this with Todd Reardon. And no, Lavalietz, I mean, you can La, see the difference. I, I told you, I, I wanted, if the Rangers were to fire Quinn, I was hoping that Laviolette would still be on the market for next year because I love Laviolette. So when the Capitals hired him, him. immediately rose to the top for me to make it to the cup to win this division against what people mainly think. They're 5-0-3, PJ, and they're missing Ovechkin, who's Netsoff, Samsonov, uh, Orlov. Orlov. The Russians, they're missing missing Eller. They they are missing eight guys. Wilson's banged up. (laughs) Wilson just came back. Eight guys who started opening night did not play. We're only two weeks into the season. Did not play last night. They were down three nothing in the first and won six to three. Um, remarkable what they're doing. Regular and season caps excited. is a beautiful thing. It really very is very excited. It and, really is, and that's really the biggest takeaway, obviously, from the early stages of the hockey season. But it's been turning heads around the league with the Capitals are doing right now, and I, 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 I'm very happy to be doing the graphics for all our games because they have given us a lot of fun through the first couple of weeks. They have. Uh, look, as a Caps fan, I hope they can keep it going, but I've seen this story too many times yeah. to get excited. Yeah. But uh, no, Lovely Let's great coach there. They're playing well, considering all the guys that they're missing. Like you said, it's 
It's impressive. And because they're going up against teams that know them so well, the Islanders game last night was just stupid because Varlamov had given up four goals the whole season and he gave up five in the second period. It's uh, yeah, kind of. All right, that's it. No more college yeah. basketball talk. I no got to go get talk. a haircut, no bud. NBA talk. Forget about your haircut. Get your football cap on entirely because that's True. all it is next week. That too. Well, go get your haircut. I'm getting one this weekend too, so we're both going to look better for the next Gotta week. Got to look good for Super Bowl week. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Joe. We'll see you.